Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch. It's me, Katie, and I'm here with a special guest. It's me, Taylor Taylor. Yay! Luke is out this week due to secret reasons, which we can't talk about on the podcast, but they're very exciting. Yes! And I have the pleasure of talking cinema this week with Taylor Taylor. I am so excited to be here, Katie! And this week, I promise, I'm not going to be so angry! Um, I just want to say thank you, Katie, for letting me pick the movie this week. And, um, guys, if you're sleeping on baby geniuses, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's get into it. So, as you mentioned, the movie that we're covering this week is the 1999 movie Baby Geniuses. (laughs) And it is, it it holds a rockin' 2%. On Rotten Tomatoes currently, which may be the lowest lowest rated movie we've ever covered on the show. And uh, I don't know about you, but I actually have a past with this movie. Oh, I 100% do. I, one, was like, mm-hmm. I think this movie is going to be rated super low, but I remember loving it as a child. And two, I was like, I went and looked up. I was like, what's the lowest rating? Because I'm like, I'm going to go big or go home. If I'm going to, if I get to choose, I'm going to like see what could be the worst movie of, of Rotten Tomato career. And so when I saw it was one of the top ones and I was like, I'm not going to do the sequel. I'm going to start with one. Um, mm-hmm. And when I saw it was, I was like, oh, this is perfect. This is a perfect mix of beauty and art. And I can't mm-hmm. wait to go for bat. But I remember... Watching it as a kid, like, super young, like, still, you know, I, I, like, maybe I was in uh, elementary school or middle school, and I used to watch it, not just once, but, like, twice, and just remember being like, I love you. I love this movie. So that's my past with it. Um, but, yes, yeah, tell me about yours. Me too. I rented it from Blockbuster definitely more than once and have seen it a number of times. Yes! And I loved this movie as a kid. And it's been interesting because, like, as culture has marched on, I've, like, in the background I heard that Baby Geniuses 2 was a thing. But, like, I found out about it way after the fact when it happened. And, of course, at that time, like, I wasn't into Baby Geniuses anymore. And I heard that that was one of the worst movies ever made. And people made a big stink about that. But I had no idea that Baby Geniuses, the original recipe, was so despised. And upon watching it, I think that it's really a matter of whether you're down with the premise or not. Because if you're not down with the premise, you're going to have a bad time. I mean, if you're not ready for the baby's mouth to be moving in an Mm -hmm. absurd way, then yes, it's, it may freak you out. Sure, I'll give you that. But let's talk, folks. Like, you're willing to watch a Michael Bay movie and, and believe all the absurd actions of everything that is Transformers. You're not going to sit here and say that you've never gotten high and thought, what mm-hmm. do babies do and what is their language and how do they communicate? You've never, you've never experienced life and enjoyed life enough to have this conversation? Mm-hmm. Uh, how dare you? How dare you be mean to baby geniuses world? I don't get it. <laughs> it it's just so I cuz I think like for us there's also this uh, obvious nostalgic element because we came to it for the intended audience of like children 
And as we are now adults, I think one of the things that we realize that maybe a lot of adult reviewers in 1999 didn't realize is that this is a very 90s movie. Like, it feels like the Rugrats. It has that kind of feel of, like, what if our babies or our pets or, like, some other thing is actually secretly intelligent? What if, like, appliances can talk to each other and they oh. have their own secret world? We were really obsessed with the idea of, like, everyday mundane things actually being secret smart, uh, secretly very smart or having, like, their own kind of society. Yeah, and, like, let's sit here and say Boss Baby comes out. I don't think Boss Baby is rated this this low rating that Baby Geniuses uh, has. And I'm like, that's the same concept. And, again, I think they're – it's unfair to me not to think that people probably really do get freaked out by the babies m- being able to move their mouths and talk and look like they are adults. But I'm like, but it's the same vein as – Oh, it's gonna drive me nuts. Oh, those other movies Cats? where the baby talk, where the babies talk. Oh, no, like uh, look who's talking. Yes, yes, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that one exactly. Where it's like, still this idea: what are babies thinking when they're babies? Are they much mm-hmm. smarter than we think they are? Um, but the but that because I think it's like all in their head. And maybe we were we were for John Travolta's voice as a baby more than we are for the no names of these boys. Um, that mm-hmm. that was that's the other part of it. But yes, I think we should talk about the plot of this movie. Absolutely. So twins Sly and Wit have been separated from birth. One of them is in a secret facility called Baby Co. It's underground and it's very super secret. And within Baby Co. are a select group of orphans who are all super smart and have their own secret baby language that the villainous adults are trying to crack. One of them is Kathleen Turner, who plays Dr. Elena Kinder. And the other is Christopher Lloyd, who plays... Some other doctor whose name I forget. It's like Hess or something in that vein. And it's it's just ridiculous. There, there's just this idea that, like, when we're born, we know all the secrets of the universe. But when we hit age two, we cross over and forget all those secrets and become regular people. Which, it's like, again, this concept is not that crazy. Because let's... Baby Einsteins, all this stuff. The pressure mm-hmm. of babies... Like, the idea that babies are, they their minds are already, like, super powerful and that they will grow up be just simply from their makeup that, of their DNA. It's like, people are obsessed with that. People mm-hmm. will do anything to, like, guarantee that their baby is smart. They'll put classical music on their bellies to make sure that they're, like, getting, like, the womb is making them, they're smarter. Which takes me to the moment that's, like, one of the best first 10 minutes of the movie, Christopher Lloyd is watching the baby play music on the piano. And it's oh, like, yeah. It's, it is like crappy, like a kid, the baby just stomping all over the place with its fingers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you want, if you translate this, it is actually Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And it's like, it's so, it's so serious and so funny to me. I don't know why it makes me laugh so hard because I'm like, maybe it's also because I really do believe people think this is true. 
there are people like I don't think it's that far of a stretch for people to be like my baby played these five notes and I'm genius he's gonna he is going to change the universe like Mm -hmm. like come on folks uh but yes uh uh I feel like it definitely got you off track there but, uh, oh no no, but 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 that that's part of it. Like like they they these scientists are very seriously reading into these babies, and they like on baby writing, they're like, is it actually an ancient form of cuneiform that was used back in the ancient times? So th- there's like this grand importance onto all these babies, and our main baby Sly doesn't want to be in the facility he wants to go out in the real world yes and he's strangely equipped to do it because he knows karate and he can build a laser device i guess he manages to escape is what i'm trying to tell you and he beats up a homeless man at some point that happens he changes clothes in a uncomfortably sexually like not charged, but it, it's a, it's definitely a sexual joke between Sly and this infant girl when he's asking to change her clothes, and she's like, "Well, you gotta buy me dinner first, Slick." Yes. And later, she like has his like little baby cigarette, and she's like, "Call me." And it's it's very bizarre. Also, the idea that if a baby broke out of a highly scientific facility, like the first place they would want to go was the mall. Oh. I mean, I feel like one, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, that's the great development of that character. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell they spent time on like maybe three, like the twins, and then a little bit on everyone else. But like Sly's character, they're like he loves television. He doesn't want to be a genius anymore. He loves Jerry mm-hmm. Springer. He believes that it's like when he's giving that speech in the very beginning. He's like, "Don't you understand? I want to experience the real world. I want to know what Jerry does. I want to go to." The I want to be a real kid. It's like the rebellion, the rebellious teenager that was like stuck in primary school, always having to follow and like get the good grades. And he's like, I want Jerry Springer is like, Mm -hmm. it is so overdeveloped into why this kid wants to leave in such a like short span of his life. Um, it's, it's hilarious. The movie wants you so bad to think Sly is cool. Oh. So, so badly. It's, it's like all the radical characters from the 90s, but a baby. Oh, yeah. I like, mean, if he just had a bl- backwards, like, red baseball cap, that would have just been the icing on the cake. The montage of him changing after he's, like, he spends the night. Also, it also hits every bit of my, like, oh my god, I want to be in a mall, and mm-hmm. I wanted to spend a night in the mall secretly, too. I I have feelings that when I was a baby, I or when I was watching this, I secretly, too, wanted to think that I was a kid, a baby who was very smart. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, like also, you're getting, like, that's awesome. And then you're going to give me a montage of him changing into all these cool clothes and tap dancing? Mm-hmm. thank you thank you world it's like oh and you're gonna it's an amusement park oh it's an amusement ah, park. yeah joyland i'm like so baby co uh also unveils at the beginning of the film an amusement park called joyland uh for older kids incidentally but they do have a baby mascot that roams oh and a bunch of like robotic 
Santas and elves and a clown and like all all kinds of things, but mostly there's baby bunting and baby bunting is truly horrifying to look upon. Uh, and it's so weird. Like at the beginning of the movie, you're just like, well, okay, that happened. And I it's mean, mentioned that a Dr. Kinder stole the illustration from uh, the dad of the film. And it's like, I get why he didn't fight that battle because I wouldn't want to be responsible for that image either. Well, and that's, so it's like, one, we get this, the baby's character developments, like all of them. We get the, like, all of their characters pretty much have a point. And then the, mm -hmm. the parents don't really, like, we've got the scientists, okay, I can understand, this is what you want. I had to rewatch part of the movie today to sit there and understand, one, that's, it's her sister or her aunt her yeah her, her aunt. aunt and she's adopted we find out at the, at the end, end of the film um, mm. but but the he's he drew this baby um and he didn't want to take credit for that and she's lying they have some sort of research that they're doing with their own babies i it, didn't understand it's I didn't very confusing okay they they run like a overnight preschool research facility sometimes they take them home which happens yeah. at the climax of the like the parents start calling because they're concerned as to where their babies are even though they are not concerned about where they their babies are for any other part of the film yes. and it's just like assumed that the babies live there like dom DeLuise is just taking them to bed and there's like a whole herd of children like I there's gotta be like i don't know 12 kids living there yes they were like they they i thought it was an orphanage for like most of the time i was mm -hmm. like you know you know being just entranced by these babies making me giggle um that i was not paying attention to and all of a sudden when they're putting them to bed i was like oh so it's an orphanage right mm -hmm. i was like it's got to be that and then when when they're like where when they're on the school bus and they're like where are the babies? I was like, these kids have parents. Like, mm -hmm. wh where? What do they do? Why don't they want them every day? Like, yeah. And and yet, why are they also like? I was also having that moment where I was like, why can't these parents afford their bills to pay them? Like, yeah. When they're taught the whole other, like, let's talk about. Um, underdeveloped storylines mm -hmm. that one and everything that surrounds their the, the everybody who works there as well it's like we're supposed to believe that they're running their own research facility they're somewhat related to baby co and we know that these twins are separated and that's why it's important but mm -hmm. like they're not doing well and they're not making money is a like a it's talked about all the time, and I which is don't... weird because they don't look like they're struggling at all. Um, no, it. I feel like that. That's kind of a big thing in the '90s, where it was like money problems are vaguely a part of things, but they're not like seriously a part of things. Like the the movie never truly commits to it. Also, because their their tiny baby wit gives them business advice early on in the film. That the yeah. father takes seriously, yeah. 
I just that happens. uh, I gotta say, he is giving a performance, folks. Like, how dare you not take Mm -hmm. into account that this guy is literally convincing you that he thinks he can hear and understand. Like, doesn't miss a beat. He does Mm -hmm. not miss a beat into everything that he believes. Like, okay, a scientist, easy enough. But this, like, dad who runs his own research company is gonna sit there and, like, be like, I heard him say this. And then when he's, like, watching so intently, it's like, you know those babies aren't, like, let's give credit to that actor. Straight up. Like, that baby's not saying anything to him. And he's like, he said to me, the 401k, I, we could research and make money. And then, Mm -hmm. oh, God. And it's like, that's what's supposed to save their foundation. But then I don't know what they're... I don't even know if, are they researching the same thing? Kind of. The The father is mentioned to, like, his area of expertise is in baby talk, essentially. Like, uh, very early on, like, very, uh, not natal, but, but baby speech, essentially. Yes. Like, like that, that's what his main focus is. And it's, it's said that Kathleen Turner's character, Dr. Kinder, wants to steal some of his research to implement on her super genius babies as well. So she's been trying to figure out, like, the baby talk thing from her end as well. And, uh, yeah, and of course, naturally, uh, the Wit was originally supposed to be, who is adopted by this couple, he is the, um, the control group of the study, and his uh, twin Sly, who broke out of the facility, was part of her experiment. And yes. so the idea was eventually they were going to compare and contrast how the different raising methods worked. Whether her method was better or whether the, you know, more mainstream method of parenting worked better. Which but is... I couldn't help but feel a lot during the movie. Like, they kept using the phrase, the kinder method. And I wasn't entirely sure what the kinder method was, except a very cold version of child rearing, where they put them in white smocks and give them Italian for beginners tapes. Is And uh, I think you're 100% right. But I also think that it's funny that control group, wit, like, there's... It's still... Just because you put them in grass and made the mom look a little bit, little hippier, dippier than the scientist, that's not a normal, like, kids, that's not a control group. It's not like he's a kid on his own with his two parents. He's also Mm -hmm. surrounded by a bunch of, like, they're, they're also doing research. So it's like, how can, how can that be a control group? Like, you're, yeah, now that you mentioned it, that's an excellent point. Because it's like when we get to the point where one, also lots of sexually charged, like the parents are by themselves and they're like, ooh, no one else is here. But yet they go up to bed and and they're talking about ancient Tibet like language. And it mm-hmm. one, you could tell the writers at that point were like, We wanna get this information across so we know why he knows their language. And mm-hmm. the the only way they could convey that was to have the wife be the opposite side and just she's like I'm doing my crossword don't talk to me she's like mm-hmm. I'm doing my crossword I'm do- don't talk to me I was like I don't understand the scene and then I realized I was like oh you're just trying to let us know that he he that's why he can understand them is that he's done this research to like get the try to understand this universal language of babies 
but she's mm-hmm. just like not for some reason this hurts her so much that she's like I'm doing my crossword one and then the scene ends and she goes well once you know this and crack the code let me know and then that was it like then we we're we're done like that's the end of the story that that like bit was so funny to me I literally had to watch it twice because I was like mm-hmm. where are we what, what's happening yeah it's a very it's a deeply confusing film um uh, keep going so we're we're coming up on the point where eventually wit and his mother also go to the mall yes. and they get into the same sly and wit get into the same play structure they see each other they scream because they didn't know that they had a twin and they get switched sly uh kind of makes it so that wit gets captured by the baby co people and he goes home with um, Wit's mother. And right away, Wit's sister is like, oh, no. Like, you, you are, are not, not my, brother. my brother. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the parents can't tell. They know something's a little up, but they don't know that he's different. And there is that moment of, oh, I thought we put you in overalls. But that should have been more concerned. No, they're I like, feel. oh, okay. I mean, especially people who are researchers, right? It's mm-hmm. like... You, you, we spent a lot of time thinking that these people are very smart. And then two, um, the, w- he gets home and he's climbing the ropes all the way mm-hmm. up to like the top of the tree. And they're like, what a crazy man. And it's like, you're not sitting there. Like if my baby climbed up something, I would be like calling my doctor and going, is this normal? Like I'd be mm-hmm. freaked out. And they're like, I think the implication from the scene is that Sly has never had sugar before because he's been in such a closed environment. And uh, the mom gave him a little bit of ice cream, and that's what made him so hyper. But now he also magically has super strength. Like, yeah. <laughs> the age, too, is so interesting to me because it's like if we actually sit here and think about how old they are, like, mm-hmm. there's, I know that they hint at that the fact that they could say. Like, they could use language, but, Mm -hmm. like, we have not only are these kids, could they be smart enough to talk in their own language and really be geniuses, but they're also physically stronger than you ever thought. Like, yeah, Sly took down, like, a bunch of dudes at the beginning of the movie using karate. Like, he, not only are when you, when you're a baby, do you have access to all knowledge of this world but you too also have physical capabilities that they're not willing to share with you as well they can do karate they can climb up all sorts of crazy things and they can kick your ass if they wanted to but they're babies and they feel bad for you Mm -hmm. like that's the premise that our babies just they don't want to they don't want to do that they don't want to let you know (laughs) which is Hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Keeping all the baby secrets of the universe to themselves. Yes. So they're home, and that's when everything is like, oh, no, they've changed, and we have to get them back. Finally, we're, like, on to the real point of it all. Is And also, the whole... What's the detail to why these, these siblings can't meet, these twins? I think that originally it was supposed to be because that would mess with the study 
And, but when they switched them, like, you would think that that would have really thrown the study off whack, but then Dr. Kinder is actually happy about it. And they, they try to explain that now that they have the other twin, they can compare results. But I feel like not a lot of testing has happened yet, so they can't compare results just yet. No. Uh, that whole part was pretty confusing to me. Well, I, like, I feel like Christopher Lloyd's character in the very beginning was like, whoa. And if they meet, if those two together, they can destroy the world, kind of dystopian, (laughs) like, that level of stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, all right, well, I still don't get how that can happen, but I love, you know, let's get dramatic. I Mm -hmm. I love this drama side of you. Um, And so that was what I thought it was. But then, yeah, like, when they switch, it's just like, oh, you know what? No big deal. It's fine. And, but the only reason why it's bad is for all of the babies who are now are having to deal with these two different kids and are scared. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the real reason why we are changing, not because of the adults. It's because of the babies. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so then the fight for their lives happens. And I yes. think... Uh, I think we, I want to like sidetrack and just spend five seconds um, talking about um, the beautiful um, characters of the, what I will lovingly call the orphanage, even though it is not the orphanage. First of all, the beautiful handyman is my favorite voice actor because he voiced uh, Fagin in... Um, Oliver and Company. So as soon as I heard his voluptuous voice, I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. Um, love him. But the relationship between Aunt, oh my goodness, what's her name? The lovely woman who's not the two parents, but the, uh, she's, she helps, but she doesn't, we're not supposed to refer to her as aunt. And she also isn't being super helpful. Like that's, that's harped on versus the 18-year-old, I don't know his age, rebellious ice pick. Um, Dickie? Putting, yes! It's like, they, he is a terrible employee. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. But we're never going to fire him. I didn't understand that joke. I legit was like, I don't, why can't you fire him? What? I... Wh- I was under the impression that, like, he had a parent who asked them to give him a job because he kept getting fired from all his other jobs. And it just doesn't seem like he wants to work, which is baffling to me. uh, Because now, like, so many people want to work and that you would just, you know, dress up and make your hair pink. And that's that would make you get fired in 1999 is, like, astounding to me. Oh, it's so funny because it's like thinking of everyone. I was just talking to my friend about dyeing. She like wants to dye her hair um, just like black on the like tips of her hair. And I was like, mm-hmm. You're, with this trope, it, it's like in the 90s, if you would have dyed your hair, you, you should have lost your job. And mm-hmm. also like w- he's painting on his face. Like it's not a tattoo. Yeah, he he definitely painted a stop sign on his face at some point, which, um, I, did people know how tattoos work back in the 90s? Did they know? 
I don't think I think it was like seriously a, a strong amount of um, please don't do like everyone was like don't do this like mm-hmm. so we're gonna make fun of anybody who does and who anybody who dyes their hair or has tattoos they're madmen they are mm-hmm. madmen they are crazy and like and they cannot be around babies and and they most certainly cannot be smart. They're, they mm-hmm. must, every hole in their head, like so many jokes about you put another hole in your head, you've lost your brain. Um, I love when the uh, aunt character says to him, she goes, you know, Dennis Rodman can put holes in his head because he shoots 12 free throws a day. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. that was the joke. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, they just, it's, I, Dickie is the worst character in the whole film. And like, I would say. And not even His for reasons plot line that are, makes no sense. Yeah, like, it's not even, okay, you're the worst character because you're literally the worst. It's just, like, you have no point. You literally have, mm-hmm. they, I could, you could not be here, and it wouldn't have ever, I'm, no, it wouldn't have mattered. Like, you, they didn't need to waste time developing that character. They didn't. Mm-hmm. And that that's where it feels like that's why we have loss in plot points we have lost in all these other things because for some reason we're going to have 18 characters that need to be fully developed but we don't and on top of babies who need to have cgi moments um and faces that we're going to have to correct every single shot to uh who cares about the plot like Mm -hmm. it was it's goony it is so goony but I, it definitely feels like all those sections were meant for adults to laugh at teenagers from the 90s. Like, that's what that whole, ex- like, section was meant for. That makes it, sense It's certainly, I for, totally forgot about it, even though I did watch it quite a few times as a child. Oh, I, I mean, I, I can remember him. And then, like, really, I only remembered him for this, the part that is one of, again, they these people deserve an award for their acting like, guys, it's much harder to convince yourself that you're being trans, like, you're going to get, uh, wow, transformed is not the word. Like, Hypnotized? Oh, yes. By mm-hmm. a baby who your acting partner is not going to be able, you're not going to be able to hear what that baby is saying to you. You're going to have to firmly believe it. And then also, like, you're... Like, the things that they make him do would stick out his tongue. I'm like, that's the moment where it was, like, at least Dickie. I remember him from that and laughing about that. And then being, mm-hmm. driving the school bus. Which, again, looking at that school bus and now, there's no way that school bus would fly. There's no way no, all those babies not at all. in a... It's, it's in, a death machine. In car seats would, would ever, ever have been able to drive there would Mm -hmm. never would people would freak out if that existed today Mm -hmm. so would they know that they need to get home and we're on to i feel like i skipped a lot maybe a good portion so they hypnotize them because they need to go to baby co so that uh wit can go back to his family that's the general idea and to free the other babies question mark I, yeah, I feel like they want to. I feel like that, that's yeah. something that they want. But, you know, it's definitely the focus is on the twins. It's definitely... Yeah, mostly to get Wit back yes. to his family. 
And so, so they... all that, yeah, leads up to the climax of the film. And by the way, the Baby Co. Bunker facility is underneath Joyland. So naturally, all of the horrifying robots that we saw at the beginning of the film are finally getting used, including Baby Bunting. It is... Sly goes into a control tower because there's a control tower that can control all the robots, and he uses his tiny baby hands to unleash the robots onto uh, Dr. Kinder and her team. And there's a coordinated plan where all the babies from the... Oh, there's a baby training montage! I forgot about that. So, two different training montages. (laughs) Wit trains the super babies, the super smart babies, for fighting? Combat? I guess? But then he's like, we need to use our intellect. That's what parents, that's what adults fear the most about babies. And, which is not what I fear the most about babies. The thing that I fear most about babies is their fragileness. But okay, movie. And, because they have a twin connection, Wit and Sly. Sly also has a similar revelation about the regular babies. And he eventually is able to get them coordinated. So their plan is unleashed on Dr. Kinder. And they're all like, beaten up just the gooniest goons and just taking down all these guys. And eventually, Dr. Elena Kinder is going to... She kidnaps Wit and is about to fly away on a helicopter with him. And... Yep. She (laughs) kind of... (laughs) She threatens Sly that she might do something with Wit, but it's unclear. And it seems for a moment that Sly has lost... And then, here they come, mom and dad of the orphanage. Mm-hmm. To save the day. Um, best line, she's above um, her aunt, and she goes, you think you're related to me? You think that I, she says in her smoky voice, she's like, you mm-hmm. think that you are, that I could be related to you? I was never related to you. I'm not your aunt. And then she's like, oh, now I can hit you! <laughs> yeah, she goes, oh, thank God, and she hits her. And the the other weird implication of that scene, of that moment, that dialogue exchange between those two characters, is that the mom herself was an experimented baby. Like, she was part of this program, so this has been going on for, like, decades. Yes. Because she was adopted when she was two, which is when babies cross over and forget the secrets of the universe. Yeah. I guess. Gotta say, they also well established that in the very beginning, in the, like, moment that that happens, the beginning to that baby, and all the kids in in, uh, Baby Co. are, like, crying because they're like, we're losing him, man, we're losing him. It's like becoming a normal baby is akin to death. Yes. Which, again, mm-hmm. I, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm like, it's very man, goofy. Maybe, maybe it's because, like, the human world's a mess out there that I'm like, man, I'd love to be a baby. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know the secrets of the world and not have to do, deal with the adult bullshit. Um, but they do save the day. And then, I don't know, it's just... I, I don't know why I'm... I mean, I think you're really right on the idea that this is, like, straight up. I'm just nostalgic for it. Like, I am straight. Like, this reminds me of my childhood. I loved it very much. 
But I'm also willing to say that I think I like this because I don't actually like babies. I don't oh, like... Oh, interesting. I don't like normal babies because babies mm-hmm. can't talk and babies can't laugh at my jokes. And I am a <laughs> sweet... Like, I love my... Uh, two to four is my sweet spot because I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. great. I can make you laugh. You can throw them around. And like... You, the kids want to be like, woohoo, they want, they have energy, they want all of that. And babies just poop, pee, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, I legitimately have, I'm like frightened of babies. And so I think oh. that there's, I think part of me is like, I love baby genius because I'm like, oh my God, babies have purpose. <laughs> Which is so That's terrible. really interesting because I actually love babies. Oh. I love babies a lot. They make me cry for some reason. Bless uh, you. Like, oh, bless not, you. without prompting. And I, but to me, the babies and baby geniuses don't register as babies. They register as, like, cartoon characters. Yeah, so they... it, it has a completely different effect on me than a regular baby. And also, like, the de- like, let's talk about the development of them and what ages they really are. It's like, mm-hmm. most of them would already are already be using some sort of, like, we'd get have gotten to the point where they're walking, yes, but not that well. But two, mm-hmm. they would be talking, like, the, they basically age range from ages that are actually, to me, seem more like 18 months to three like, mm-hmm. that feels like where their development is, even though we, we know that once they turn two, they're shit out of luck. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it definitely feels like they're more toddler than they are babies. Um, but, it, like, uh, one, I love that you love babies because I was like, maybe it's because I don't like them that I like this movie so much because I'm like, I get this. This is a funny joke. Babies babies are funny, and I never understood. The, like, I don't understand crying at babies. I really, I really don't. Like, <laughs> That's and I super feel fair. Bad. I don't understand it. I honestly feel like um, uh, bless. It's a be- it's a blessing for me because if I had baby fever, my uh-uh, I would I uh, would become so obsessed, and I would you know mm-hmm. d- lived a different life. But t- like. I, have, I don't understand them, and so then I watch Baby Genius, and I'm like, man, if I thought my baby was a genius, like, oh, yeah, I, I would be obsessed. I wouldn't mm-hmm. think about all of the things that they, like, d- lack of things that they do, which I think I'm sure, again, I'll eat my words and be like, I love this. But my other favorite part is why I love this movie is I've been on the podcast before, And my usual idea is I get very mad at how media, no matter whether or not it's a comedy or not, has a, has a moral responsibility. Like that is my go-to and a rom-com drives me nuts. It hurts Mm -hmm. my feelings, but baby genius doesn't at all. And it's like, it's (laughs) not that it's not full of, there's some tropes that I think if I was like, okay, and, like, even, uh, I guess I really do have a soft spot for things that don't make any sense, because I still love cats. Maybe I just love mm-hmm. things that aren't supposed to talk talking. Like, I, and... And I think that, like, people that don't like cats and don't like the, this movie don't like them for similar reasons, that they're like, these things shouldn't talk, and the CG aspect really, like, creeps them out, and I just don't have that. 
I don't have that in me. I'm I just like to me, cats. The version that came out was like, ah, yeah, that's how you make a movie about cats. And with this, it's like, I mean, I guess baby geniuses is what you would make if you had that idea. Yeah, and I think it also hits like everything where it reminds me of Parent Trap. It's like. You know, the switcheroo, it has, um, it reminds me of Daddy Daycare, those mm-hmm. kind of jokes. It's like, toes the line of all of those things. Dr. Doolittle, like, it has all of that. And and then, uh, one of my favorite shiny moments of the movie is, is when Sly is stuck at the mall, and he, not when he changes clothes with the little girl, but when he changes clothes with the, um, when he puts on the tux, he's yeah. he's tap dancing, and you, it's like the first time you realize that they just put the baby face on top <laughs> of whatever, whoever did the version of the dance, mm-hmm. and and it's so bad, but it's so yeah. funny to me, and maybe it's also funny because we grew up with the internet, and it reminds me of like those. Um, like, like those Chris- elf cards for yes! Christmas? Yes! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's what it reminds me of. And, like, that fact that this was cutting-edge technology also makes me laugh. Like, how funny will it be to remember and look at, like, these things? Like, I don't, I don't think that in 20 years people will be watching all of these live-action Jungle Book and... Um, What's like uh the other live action? Oh, Lion, like King. Lion King, and won't be sitting there and being like, "You really spent time doing this. Like you, you spent time remaking something that you could have just not done, but you want." Yeah, they to could have been a- doing Baby Geniuses. Yeah, which <laughs> it deserves a trilogy, folks. Let's finish the story. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure number two because I definitely did watch it. I definitely did like it. Um, I was not too old. Um, I think it also has that roller coaster, still baby co world in it. So I'm mm-hmm. like, it was delicious Good. for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I it makes me want to go watch this. I just think that this doesn't, I'm going to sit here and say it doesn't deserve its low rating. Um, I don't think it does. I think it's just... I think it's adults who probably hated that fact that their kids loved this movie so much and they got mm-hmm. stuck watching it over and over again. I agree. I think that this, we've definitely watched worse movies on the show before. And because I, I can tell that this is one of those movies where I didn't feel like I had to pause a lot to like take a deep breath <laughs> to continue on. Like I genuinely enjoyed it. It's really doofy. And I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but I think it's enjoyable. Like, I still had a good time. It is legit. Mm -hmm. It's like, I just want to know what people were thinking when they, when it was, I'd love to know the marketing of it, where it's Mm -hmm. like, what did people expect to go into? Like, what Mm -hmm. did they think they were getting versus what came? And, but like. Again, the fact that you talk about how much you watched it and the fact that I, like, when I was younger, I watched it, I can totally see it being, like, these parents that are, like, I can't believe my kid made me get the blockbuster uh, <laughs> again, again, yeah. and I had mm-hmm. to watch this again, because it's, like, if you're looking for a plot that's secure, don't go here. If you're looking yeah. for adults, characters that make sense, don't look here. 
if you're looking to have a good time, do look here. You guys, <laughs> I you're it's only three ninety nine on on Amazon Prime, folks. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. I will. I want to market to make Baby Geniuses great again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and on that note, I've been Katie Grotzinger, <laughs> and I've been Taylor Taylor. Yay! Have a good one, folks. <laughs> Yay!